Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the last two weeks we saw the pictures from Israel, horrific pictures, Hamas attacking Israelis, killing civilians, killing children, and then Israel going after the terrorists, bombing, and not only terrorists are killed, also civilians. And it seems there is no peace in sight. And what's it all about? It's about land. It's about who rules whom. And at the time of Jesus, it was not that different. There was no war at the time of Jesus, but the question also was, who rules whom? The Jews no longer ruled themselves. They had no independence anymore. They had been conquered by the Romans. The Roman armies had marched and conquered everything around the Mediterranean Sea. And the Jews now had masters, Roman masters. They had Roman soldiers stationed in Jerusalem. And of course, they had to pay taxes. They used Roman money. And in our gospel we saw, we heard that a denarius is mentioned. A denarius is a count that is about the wage of one day for a day laborer. And when you look at that coin, on the one side you have the image of the emperor. And the one side there is Tiberius, that was the emperor at that time. Caesar Tiberius. And it's that Caesar Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. He was the son of Augustus, Caesar Augustus, who was declared a god after his death. That was part of the Roman religion, that they believed that a specially important person could become a god. Well, of course, no Jew believed that kind of stuff. Every Jew thought that was blasphemous, to make a man into a god. And when you turned it around, there was the figure of a woman personifying peace, and it said, Pontifex Maximus, high priest. Because Tiberius was not only the emperor, the civil authority, he was also the highest priest of Roman paganism. The worship of Jupiter and Juno, of Venus and Mars and many other gods. So every time a Jew looked at that coin, he not only saw there is the foreign emperor to whom we are, have uh, to pay, pay taxes, but also it was a symbol of paganism. So what is a pious Jew to do with the symbol of paganism? Good question, right? But of course in today's gospel when the Herodians, the followers of Herod, which was a minor, who was a minor king under the authority of the Romans, and the disciples of the Pharisees, when those come to Jesus, they are not saying, Jesus, we have this issue, we have this problem, we would like to know can you help us? Oh no, that's not why they come. They plot to entangle Jesus in his words. They don't search the truth. They want to set a trap for Jesus. They want to get rid of Jesus. And they think, either way, Jesus will lose. Either he says, oh yeah, you shouldn't pay taxes. It's a pagan symbol here. No pious Jew should have that money in his hands. 
And then they can go to the Romans and say, this Jesus, you have to arrest him. He calls people up not to pay taxes. And you know, no government will tolerate that. You always have to pay your taxes. If the tax authorities go after you, it's not a good day. Now, at the time of Jesus, it's not just that you get audited. No, at the time of Jesus, uh, before actually his birth, there was a Pharisee, Jude of Galilee, who said, don't pay taxes to the Romans. And the Roman army came and killed him and his, um, his uh, uh, followers and destroyed the city. So to say, don't pay taxes, it's not just something you put up on social media and what was going to happen to you. Oh, no. The authorities will go after you. The Romans will do the dirty work of the Herodians and the disciples of the Pharisees and get rid of their Jesus. Because after all, remember, our story is in Passion Week. They want to get rid of Jesus. That's the one option. The other option, they think, yes, when he says that, we'll have him too. If he says, no, yes, pay taxes, the people will not like to hear that. Nobody likes to hear, pay taxes. But again, at that time of Jesus, it's not just that you don't like to pay taxes. Well, so you endorse that claim that's on the coin? How can you do that as a pious Jew? You want us to just follow and obey the, 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 the Romans, the foreign authority? You want us to collaborate with the Romans? So they thought, we, are, we have him. He can't get out of that. Now, of course, they deal with Jesus. And Jesus see, sees right through them. Oh, yes, they're very complimentary, aren't they? They say, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Well, wonderful words, right? But of course, they don't believe a thing they say. What they say is true. They say it to flatter Jesus, but they actually speak the truth. Jesus does teach the way of God truthfully. But you know what? Those people who come to him, the Herodians and the disciples of the Pharisees, they don't believe that. They don't listen to him. They don't believe that he actually teaches the way of God. Otherwise, of course, they would not do what they do, namely try to trick Jesus. Yes, and Jesus truly does not care about the opinions of people. He does not put his finger up and says, okay, yes, what do, we, what do people want to hear? I'll tell them that. No. Jesus is without fear, without respect of men. He tells it as it is. So what is Jesus' answer? It's not a simple yes or no. They want to catch him, trap him by their own words. And what does Jesus actually do? He catches them by their words. Because he says, show me a coin. Show me the coin for the tax. And they produce the coin. And he says, whose image is it? And of course they have to say, Caesar's. It's the image of Tiberius. And then Jesus says, render unto Caesar the things 
that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So Jesus doesn't say simply yes or no. He says, look at the coin. By the way, they had a coin. They were not that pious that they wouldn't touch that coin. He tells them to look at the coin and thereby to say, look, this is the money you have. This is the authority under which you are. There are things that are Caesar's. And one of them is the coin that you hold in your hand. It bears Caesar's image. It comes from Caesar. It's a sign that the Herodians and the disciples of the Pharisees are under the authority of Caesar. But still the question is, okay, we are under the authority of Caesar, but why obey? Well, Jesus implies obey. And St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 13 later, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So that Caesar is Caesar, that they under the rule of the Romans is not just bad luck, it's not just an accident, it's not just fate. Authorities, the, the governing authorities are put there by God. But what about the fact that this coin is a, not only a means of buying something or paying your taxes, but it bears a message, a message of paganism speaking of divine Augustus and proclaiming Tiberius a high priest. These claims are false. They're just pagan. But that does not mean that one can get out, get out of paying one's taxes. In the same chapter, St. Paul says, for because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Yes, the claims of Caesar are blasphemous. But what is not blasphemous is his demand to pay taxes. Even though, yes, Tiberius is a pagan, and who knows what he did with the money, but it also funded, of course, the pagan cultures in Rome, still, they are obliged to pay taxes. That is part of obedience, not only to Caesar, but obedience to God. Now, there are things that Caesar can demand that are not his. Later on in the history of the church, what happened was that not only the former emperor was declared to be a god, but the ruling emperor claimed to be a god. And so statues of the emperor were put up in the cities, and priests were installed, and citizens were asked, demanded actually, was demanded of them to worship the emperor. And the way you did that was you went there, and there was a little basin with coals, and you put a little incense in it. By that, you worship the emperor. And that's when the Christians said, we are not going to do that. Because yes, we will obey the laws, we will pay our taxes, but worship 
is not something that belongs to the emperor. Worship is something that belongs to God alone. And so they refused to do that, and they had to suffer for that. So God has established Caesar. He has established governing authorities. And so then and now all people are bound by God to obey the laws and also pay taxes. And so the people of God will render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and by that they will render to God what belongs to God, because authorities, governing authorities, are not just man-made. Behind them is God's will. Now there is more to give to God than to be a law-abiding citizen. But there is certainly not less than be a law-abiding citizen. But now, what are we to render God? What is it that belongs to God? Well, if we start thinking about that, we realize it's everything. Because, after all, we received everything from God. We confess it, right, in the first article. That my body, my soul, my senses, everything I have comes from God. I can't say, no, 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 that's mine. God, you have nothing to do with it, so you stay out of that. This is mine and mine alone. No, what we give God is what he has given to us before. Every hour, every minute of our life belongs to God. So when we hear that God does not say, I just want a little bit of you. Just give me a little bit of time. Just give me a little bit of obedience. And I will leave you alone because the rest of your life is yours. That's not how God speaks. God says, I want your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul. That's why it is not extreme when we say that we should fear, love, and obey God above all things. That's why it is not enough to say, well, God, I give you a little, and then be satisfied with that, and the rest is mine. So, going back, what does it mean for the Herodians and the disciples of the Pharisees to render unto God what belongs to God? Well, Jesus was not simply talking about money or time or whatever, who was standing before them. It was Jesus who stood before them. To render unto God what is God's means that we actually render faith to God. So for them, at that point, it would mean to not try to entrap Jesus, but to believe what they said lyingly, but speaking the truth. Namely, to believe that Jesus teaches the way of God. And more even so, not only Jesus teaches the way of God, he is the way to God. So to render unto God what is God's is first and foremost that we believe him. That we believe that he is God, that he has sent his son Jesus Christ on this earth to be our savior. And once we believe that, 
then everything else will fall into place. Never ever he will again look at you yourself and what you have and say, well, this is mine. This has nothing to be to do with God. No, and you will see that God has put you where you are now. Where you are now, that's not just an accident. It's where God, that is where God has put you. As a parent, as a child, as an employee, as an employer, that's the place where God has put you. That's where he has put you to serve him. How? By serving your neighbor, by doing the duties of your place in life. And you will also see that unwillingness to do what is given to you is something that is not okay, but is sin. And you will also see that God does not simply come to you demanding, hey, you, give it to me. But that God has first given. He has first given you your life. He sustains your life. He has given you the spiritual life when he has called you to faith, when you were reborn in baptism. He continues to nourish your life, your spiritual life, through his holy word. When you come on Sunday, it's not simply, well, it's another thing I have to give to God, but you come because God gives to you. So God not simply demands, he gives. And then, yes, we give back to him. But first, he gives. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render unto God the things that are God's. We belong to God. He has given us our life and everything we have so that we serve him and our neighbor. We don't have to flee from the duties of this world to serve God, for it is God who has put us into this world. So you render unto God what belongs to him, not only when you attend a service, but every day when you are a faithful spouse, a caring parent, a worker, an employer, and yes, also a citizen who fulfills his duties as a citizen. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.